Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The Gagan Pod is back for 2021, and we're counting the minutes until Liverpool play Manchester United. David Wiener with you once again. So much to catch up on. Let's say good day to John Aloisi and Michael Bridges to do just that. Bridgie, nice to see you again. Good to see you, Dave. Happy New Year. I missed out on the 2nd of January, but how much football's been played since then, and it's non-stop, and it's, uh, the Premier League gets it more exciting by the day. That many teams are in the mix at the moment, and uh, what a game we've got to look forward to on Monday, Bridgie. Yes, Happy New Year as well to you too and all the listeners out there. The Gagan Pog is back and I am delighted we're back for 2021. And like you say, John, the football has been absolutely magnificent. It's kept kept us going over the Christmas period and, um, you know, Manchester United back top of the Premier League, Liverpool chasing them. The rivalry is back and I can't wait to see this game at the weekend. Oh, we're going to get stuck into that shortly. A happy New Year to you both, by the way, and to all the listeners out there. Uh, I know it's a little bit late, but we, uh, we've had a little break over the period. What's, uh, what's kept you guys busy? What's been your New Year's, uh, New Year's activities, guys? What, what have you been up to, John? Yeah, watching a lot of football, as always, Dave, but uh, also got to spend time with the family down in Adelaide and had a little bit of a break with my immediate family, the wife and kids in Noosa, which uh, was superb. The water was brilliant, Bridgie. You would have loved it. I tried a bit of uh, body surfing and boogie boarding. I'm not the best at it, but uh, I still tried. John, you can stick to that water sports, mate. I have seen the amount of sharks and jellyfish that are out there. We, we do a thing in England and it, um, it's called plodging. And what that means is we normally plodge in puddles. I do the same at the beach. I only go up to the ankle and um, you'll be pleased to know I went down there with the family uh, and saved it to come back here and have a dip in the pool to cool off over the Christmas period. But the biggest breaking news for me, I've got to tell all the listeners, Dave, it is monumental for 2021. Get a load of this. John Aloisi, Mr. Unsocial Media, but Mr. Social, as we all know, has joined Instagram under this alias of John Aloisi underscore 15. What is going on, John? Well, you know what? I heard that I was on. There's someone that set it up for me. It is my account, but I don't know how to use it yet, Bridget. <laughs> I don't know how to listeners. get around that. I said to John, I've just followed you. He said, I wish I had that app on my phone, but I don't know where it is. Now, that for me is just gold dust. So uh, everybody that's listening, get on. John Aloisi underscore 15. You will absolutely have a have a good laugh seeing everything that we're going to be putting on there and helping John out. Look, I need lessons from you, Bridgie, because uh, what I do want to uh, end up doing on there is posting a lot of stuff, obviously, but more the analysis stuff that we do. And, and uh, you know, I'm doing an analysis piece on Liverpool Man United and that uh, should be out in the next couple of days. Um, but... I don't know how to post yet. Well, so. John, that might be a big issue, mate, because you said you're going to start posting things. If you didn't post anything, I would be unfollowing you, mate. So I look forward <laughs> to the content. 
Good stuff. I just want to know how it's ended up uh, going live without actually being on John's phone. The, the, the Aloisi Empire is still going strong with the these minions working in the background on that. So it's good to see. You got one follower so far, John, and that is Optus Sport. The mighty Optus Sport is behind you. Oh, Bridgie's following two. me as well. He's got two. two. I got on there and I'm expecting a post within the next 48 hours. Otherwise, I'm deleting. <laughs> Very good. Boys, let's crack on, shall we, on to the, the real matters at hand. And we've got some midweek content to track through as ever. And Spurs won, Fulham won. We're going to kick off with guys this morning after Harry Kane gave Tottenham the lead with a quite wonderful header of an outstanding Sir Ragulion, Ragulion, um cross. Bridgie, what happened after that? What happened after that, um, Dave? That's a very, very um, the million dollar question. Spurs went back into their shelf. They, they, you know, they, they create an unbelievable um, opportunity. I mean, the the ball in the touch uh, for Reguilón on that left hand side. The way he controlled that ball while he was still in full flow, sprinting up that the the wing. His touch just allowed him to cross that ball first time, and he delivered it right on Harry Harry Kane's head, um, which was incredible. Kane. It's a, a striker's dream. And then what happened, they're just saying they, they didn't want to attack anymore. Tottenham just invited the pressure and Fulham, um, fair play to Fulham and Scott Parker, they, they kept having a crack, they kept having a goal. And at the end of the day, it was a very fair result. They deserved the goal because it came at a, a time when I was thinking, whoa, Tottenham would have been very lucky here. We've rode our luck. And when Lookman got the ball and absolutely oh, skinned Sanchez to l- deliver a very, very decent cross as well, um, they, they deserved it, and the, the stats were very, very you know, the, the shots on target, the shots off target, chances created, passing. If you have a look, it was all level across the board, so it, it was a fair result. But I'm very disappointed that Spurs didn't try and take the game to them when they went 1 0 up instead of just Brid- inviting pressure. Bridgie, we, we wrote Fulham off very early in the season because yeah. we thought, well, they got no chance with the way they started the season, but they've had five draws in a row. They've been unlucky not to get wins. They've yeah. played good football and they've actually deserved to uh, pick up more points. And, and, and I think Scott Parker's doing a good job. I, I thought it was a sensational goal the, this morning. Uh, Lookman's cross and uh, Cavaliero's yeah, header. Yeah. Was a, it was a top header. I think it was after the nine, nine games, um, the stats that they were shown for Fulham were, were terrible. Like and across the board, I think they were roughly round about their league position, 15, 16, 17. But the stats of final third entries now, the passing have gone through, chances created, counter-attacks. They're, they're up now like in 10, 11 and 12 position. So it's um, over the last nine games, they've been very, very impressive. And like you say, I put that down to Scott Parker and his team. Yeah, the former Chelsea player signed by Mourinho and the former Spurs player absolutely um, deserved what Fulham got out of it today. I'm going to pick up Fulham and their relegation hopes a bit in a, in a second because we're going to talk about Brighton a little bit later and their match against Manchester City. So we'll pit them head to head in a moment. But then I want to ask you guys, Scott Parker, praise for Scott Parker. What about Spurs in their second halves? That's 10 points dropped this season. Uh, what could have been for Spurs? Now, after the game, Harry Kane said, we panic when we take that 1-0 lead. We're not quite sure what to do. Um, we drop deeper. We're not enough on the ball enough. Mourinho was asked, could you have changed anything in the second half? He pointed to individuals. John, at this point in time, is it Mourinho's tactics or is it the players going to their shell or a combination that is holding Spurs back in these second halves? 
It's probably a combination. Uh, look, it, it's hard to just blame, uh, you know, Mourinho or blame the players. It has to be something that Mourinho is telling him as well, that uh, when they go 1-0 up, they want to make sure that they're solid defensively. And automatically, once you give the ball up to the opposition, most teams in the Premier League are good enough to keep the ball and outplay you a little bit. You automatically start to drop back a little bit further. And then it's harder to get out because if your wingers drop back, and they're in a position, and once you win the ball, you've only got really one outlet, and that's Harry Kane. And sometimes he's that deep that he's not even an outlet anymore. So, look, I don't totally agree with Mourinho saying, oh, it's the players. Um, it's something they must do in training. Also, the, the halftime team talks. If it's happening in the second half all the time, then, then something that Mourinho is saying is not right either. So it's, uh, it's interesting because Spurs... Even though they're in a good position, can you imagine what position they could have been if they actually finished off these games? Because they still had their chances. Um, I thought that Son could have had a couple of goals this morning. And, and also that one that he hit the post, that goes in 2-0. Mourinho comes out and says, yeah, we played. To, it was our plan. That was what we wanted to do and catch them out. And, and it all worked. When it didn't work, he sort of shifted the blame onto the players now. To what extent, Bridgie, is now... That's, uh, that's 10 points drop to Newcastle, West Ham, Wolverhampton, uh, Crystal Palace, and now Fulham. How frustrating is it seeing... Like, yes, Son could have sealed the game in the second half, but that came after Fulham were barraging Hugo Lloris's goal. That would have been a sucker punch goal from Son Hugo Can you le- realistically call yourself a challenger? And they're now in sixth, uh, even, even a top four contender playing now such regressive football... Is, are we starting to see now the realities of what was so perfect for a while? But, you know, Son and Kane have now scored 23 of Spurs' 30 goals this season. Yeah. You can't rely on perfection for no. 38 weeks. No, and I mean, you know, the Son and Kane's um, production, you know, they've, they've just broke Alan Shearer and Chris Sutton's record already this in the season for the amount of assists and goals in a combination in one season. And we're only 17, 18 games in. So you can't just rely on that. But that's a fantastic stat to have. But when I see Spurs where they're at now, Dave, and like you say, the points that they have dropped against the teams that they have dropped them at, you can't be title contenders in that sense. And I I look at the top three now and the way that it's Man City, Liverpool and Manchester United, the way they're going, I expected Chelsea to be up there as well. Chelsea and, and Tottenham in the vital part of the season over the Christmas and New Year period. Have fallen by the wayside, and um, I, I just think it's a three-horse race now. Bridgie, one win out of their last six games is yeah. not good going. For not good so you, no, you not can't good say they're title contenders because I don't think they are as well. I think that uh, we all thought that maybe because Mourinho's got that experience with the likes of Kane and Son up top that they could actually push. But the way they're playing at the moment, you, you, you say they're far off. They're, they're they're miles off. If there was something more positive, if Spurs did play in the second half the way they did say in the last 20 minutes of the first half do you think they could be or do you contenders or do you think they're not capable of sustaining it for 90 minutes you can't do- turn it on and off like that you can't turn it on and off if you you know you, you train how you're going to play um so it's I instilled think, in them now. That this is yeah, now instilled in them. Uh, that's, yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's what they've got. And you know, you don't see Liverpool taking their foot off the gas. Liverpool will go. They are relentless. They're like Leeds United. And Leeds don't know how to have that Mourinho defensive unit. But Bielsa doesn't doesn't believe in that. He wants to go the other way and ex- expose teams. And I, th- I just think Mourinho and the players um, that is that is their DNA at this moment in time. Okay, so it was encouraging for Fulham. 
Um, and uh, it's the first time they've come back and snatched a point from being 1-0 down this season. Earlier in the morning, Brighton went down 1-0 to Manchester City, and it was a classic situation from Brighton. Played nice football in patches, but just not good enough. Obviously, Manchester City are a yardstick, but still just falling short, Brighton. Have they, are they seriously looking over their shoulder now? Uh, they're two points clear still of Fulham, but what, what about momentum, John? Uh, they definitely have to be looking over their shoulder because, uh, you know, only 14 points. They have played good football. And, and I heard uh, Hoddle this morning saying maybe he has to change his philosophy. Maybe Potter needs to be a bit more cute and a bit more defensive. I don't think he can be because he's got his, his players playing the way he wants them to play. He, um, I think what they need to be is a bit more ruthless because uh, I think they create enough chances in the game of football. They didn't... Uh, Look, they, they lost 1-0. They probably deserved to lose, of course, against oh, Man City. They did. They did. I, I don't think they played well at all this morning, to be fair. They defended not so bad, but it's it's tough against Manchester City. I've seen Brighton, and I like watching them, John, in other games. But this morning, like you say, if you have a, if you have a crack, are you really going to expose yourself against the Man City and make it 4-5-6 and six and get more pressure on you? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. they, they, they didn't want to get beat by a lot today. Yeah, so I, I think that they're definitely in the mix because, you know, they're down there. Um, it, will, it will be interesting to see how they go against the teams around them because that's when you, you, you really, the six-pointers come about. No one expected them to beat Man City uh, at City's ground. So it will be more interesting, in, you know, the coming games that uh, they've got coming up. They've got Leeds coming up. That's, that's an interesting one because that's going to be open. You know that, you know, you're going to get your opportunities against Fulham, Leeds. Fulham's the big one, I think, in a few weeks' time. Yeah. And so in, in, in and around them, so it's. Um, I think Fulham have got the two big boys in Chelsea and Man United, and then it's against Brighton. So anything they pick up from there, going into that game against Brighton, um, you know, I don't, I can't see Brighton beating Leeds, and then the Fulham game is huge. What What about Newcastle? Do you think they could drop into that dogfight, Bridgie? Oh, all every chance, John, especially the way they played against Sheffield United, a team yeah. that hadn't won a game hmm. since last July or something. And, Has COVID um, really hurt them? You know, is that or is that an excuse? It's a great excuse, um, to be fair. But I, it, you know, they've they've had that situation to deal with. He hasn't had a lot of funding. You know, they haven't they, they haven't had major signings. They made good signings. Callum Wilson and Fraser and Hendrick. You know, it's one of them. It's kind of a free freebie. We'll we'll take them on board for numbers. But when you're going to a team in Sheffield United who haven't won a game in that mm. long, and you were going there to get a draw with mm. the way they set up and played, it was disgusting. Mm. Yeah, they're without a win in eight, Bridget, since we're talking about Newcastle and Sheffield yeah. United now. And it yeah. was a great moment for Sheffield United. I mean, painful season for them. Um, reports in the UK that uh, Steve Bruce will get backed by Mike Ashley. But um, this, that you mentioned that style. I'm just keen to find out a little bit more what you think about that because um, Steve Bruce is, if we're talking about Mourinho being conservative, Steve Bruce is really putting the shackles on Newcastle. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And I still think they've got players there that can hurt and exploit people. Fraser's got pace. Almiron's got pace. Callum Wilson has got pace. Callum Wilson is standing up there like a scarecrow. You know when you see the scarecrow in the middle of a field and they're scaring <laughs> off the crows now? Like he just stands, I think, and is there any chance of anybody giving me some support and some service up here? He's so isolated. And as a striker, um, I came across that once in my career when I was at Hull City. I found that very, very depressing um, at times in the game. You, you, you find yourself going in positions in the field where you don't want to go just to get a touch of the ball when you are playing up there as the lone striker um, and, you, and things are going against you. So it's it's very tough. Um, but I'll tell you what, if St. James's Park was full with without COVID, 
they would not, they'd be voicing their frustration at the club, um, as definitely at Steve Bruce and his, and his staff, but more so at Mike Ashley as well for allowing mm. it to, to happen. They're only seven points clear. They haven't won in eight. Um, and Sheffield United, 186 days after tasting victory. Uh, look, they're still going to need an absolute miracle. They're only on five points at the bottom of the table. But when there's life, there's hope, and the win can only spark that hope indeed. Now, just going back quickly to the game we started on before we talk about relegation. John, your thoughts on Manchester City at the moment. Um, Phil Foden with the winner just before half time. Uh, once again, a bucket load of chances, but just the 1 0 win. Yeah, well, at the moment, that's all they need because uh, their ninth clean sheet mm-hmm. in their last 11 Premier League games is that, that that's sensational. And uh, look, four wins in a row for them in the Premier League, unbeaten in the last 14 in all comps. I think they're on the right track. I, I know they're not scoring a lot of goals. You know, they do get their moments that they will score. But if they're keeping clean sheets, and I think Diaz and Stones has, have created that partnership now. Cancelo's been brilliant mm. um, at right back slash going into midfield when they have got the mm. ball. Um, you know, Foden is really now coming into his own scoring goals. That's what they needed. They needed one of those midfielders to score goals and step up. De Bruyne, I think they're the ones that everyone's probably scared of mm. going, you know what? They've still got a lot left in them and they're on the, the right track. And I think that they could actually start to now go, we're serious contenders again. John, you just mentioned that clean sheet and how good they are doing defensively. I'm, I'm delighted because John Stones has found his, his form again after coming in with a massive price tag. I think he found it very hard to adjust, but he's a super player and he's got obviously the, the combinations that they've had there have been brilliant for Man City and Pep Guardiola and for England going into the Euros as well. The other side I want to say to you, you've the other end of the field, the striker situation, seeing De Bruyne playing up top, where, where will City be? if they sign a striker before January and will they, and if so, who, and if they don't, can they still win the title? Bridgie, I just read in the Spanish newspaper this morning that Aguero might be going to Barcelona in January to keep Messi happy. Now, if that happens, what strikers has City got? That's <laughs> you know? saying, man. It's, you know? it's... It's, uh, even, even though they had a striker, they put Gabriel Jesus on the left yeah. uh, when he came on today. So, so can it... they sustain that, John, with a, with a Gundogan Silva, De Bruyne, a false nine situation? Is that going to win you a Premier League with the foundation they got at the back? He's, he's done it before. He, uh, he, he did it with Barcelona when they didn't really play with an out-and-out striker. They played uh, with Messi as that false nine. And, and he reading into Guardiola's books, his philosophy, if he can have um, 11 midfielders on the pitch, he would have 11 midfielders on the pitch. Of course he can't, but uh, he, he just loves those midfield players that can He's actually trying. dominate. Yeah, He's yeah. trying. He's putting as many as possible. So because... You know, defensively, we say they've been good, which they have, but um, they like to defend with the ball. And to do that, you have to have those quality players in the midfield. So if you outnumber them and you're playing with a false nine like De Bruyne and, and that, when they drop into midfield, you're always outnumbering the opposition. So they can keep hold of the ball for long periods and then they can still score goals. You know, Sterling, uh, yeah, he missed a, a penalty this morning, but he's got goals in him. Foden now showing what he can do. I think with the, the defensive record they've got at the moment, they can actually go and win the title. You look at uh, what Atletico Madrid are doing in, in Spain. It's about their defence. They don't concede. They win football games. Can I ask, John, just in terms of that possession aspect that you talked about, you, you touched briefly on 
Jacques Cancelo. How big is his repositioning in allowing City and Pep Guardiola to do all the other things he wants to do? There were times today he's literally in the center circle when they've got the ball. Um, can you explain why he why he's doing that uh, to sort of springboard all the other elements of his of his side? So why he does that for he uh, he he's done it before with Philip Lahm and when he was at Bayern Munich and and what that happens then is that it, the centre back who's got the ball say on the right side it's a direct pass to the winger's feet and the winger that they you normally have out there is either Mares or Bernardo Silva and they're not really those white players that run directly in behind like a Sterling so if they can get the ball to feet drag the full back out, then there's space for the attacking midfielders like De Bruyne and that to run in behind that space. So he, he does it so he can play that direct ball. He doesn't want two players out wide in the same line. And, uh, and Cancelo has been doing it really well. That's not an easy thing to do. When you're naturally a fullback that you've always had that line with you, all of a sudden you go into midfield and you have 360 degrees that's not easy, and uh, but Cancelo's doing it really well, and it's working at the moment for him. Really intense position. Hey, just last thing on City, Bridgie. Before the game, um, Guardiola said that uh, Phil Foden still has some margins to go to get to the, to to where he wants him. I tell you what, what 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 more can Phil Foden do? He's a top scorer right now. Um, seems to bob up in big moments and do really well uh, with your England hat on. Um, what do you make of his progress? He, he's an absolute superstar, and I just can't think of a better an apprenticeship than having somebody like David Silva to watch and analyze and have the you know this the staff put things together for him to say this is how we want you to play, and and he's had to wait his turn. And I, but I'll tell you what, he is so exciting. He's one of the best things I have seen um, come out of, of England. Uh, the left foot. I mean, I. I played with a lot of players that had good left feet. Now Harry Q was one of them, but Harry Harry was he did things at pace. Harry could glide with the ball and drift and score goals. He, that little when you there was a move that Phil Foden did today when there was two two players around him. He did something to get out of of it. It was almost like a magic trick. The the quality that he had in that left foot with the little intricate turns. It's just a special talent to have. And if there's anything that he can get better from, he's got to listen to Pep Guardiola. He's working under one of the greatest managers the game has seen, and he's playing with the best players in the world. So um, it, it's great signs for for England and for this young man. He's just somebody I, I get very excited about. He's just got to keep himself level-headed because he has had that one little thing, um, the spat where he broke the COVID rules. As long as he can have the right advice and he can listen to his, his agent and the people around him that care about him for the right reasons, he'll have a cracking career. Dave, if you're scoring from midfield slashed out wide as a winger, um, 15, 20 goals, then you, you start to say that he, he's going to be that top um, category as a player around Europe because that's not easy to do. And I think he's capable of doing that because he gets into good positions, like Bridgie said, with his left foot, but then he's also come inside and scored it with his right foot this morning. Yeah. I think he's got that capability of getting 15, 20 goals a season. There's a great clip of him on, on YouTube I saw when he was playing the streets with a few of his mates and his mates are trying to get the football off him. And it's almost like a comedy sketch. They can't get near him. He's just up, he's nutmegging them. He's doing stuff. And it's just brilliant to watch. Talk it's, about it's nutmegs. What about Bernardo Silva's nutmeg in the box when he hit the post? That was, yeah. that was frightening. I was you just needed that to go in the top corner to be like one of the goals of the season. Yeah. I tell you what, Robert Sanchez had an eventful night. He was in the middle of that little raid and he, I think he, uh, he gave away a penalty. He made some massive saves, picked up a back pass, was probably at fault for the goal. Um, 
penny for Matt Ryan's thoughts watching on and seeing that. It's, it's a thrill a minute at Brighton at the moment. Um, just to put one more from yesterday. Um, Everton, Everton beat Wolves 2-1. Goals from Alex Wobi and Mahu Keane, cancelling out Ruben Neves' goal. Um, Everton up to fifth. Wolves down to 14th. That's a bit yeah. of a, that's a bit of an interesting one. Look, they were unlucky though yesterday. I thought they actually played quite well. They deserved more out of the game. They deserved at least a draw, if not a win. They but should have that, won it. Yeah, <laughs> I thought they should have won. They 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 played well. Look, they're, they're missing Jimenez. They're, mm. You know, let's yeah. not hide anything. Jimenez is their striker. Jimenez not only does he score goals, he leads the line well. And when you miss such an important player like that, you're going to suffer with results a little bit. They've changed their system a little bit this season. You know, they've gone to a four at the back. They, um, I think they've played some good football. They're not picking up the results. Um, but then you go across to Everton, and that's a sign of a good team, Bridgie. When you're not playing at your best away from home and you can still win a game of football, another set-piece goal, keen four goals for the season so far, that's a big asset when you can score off the set-pieces. And there's nothing wrong with ugly wins. And that's what I call that. It was an ugly win. They had, what, three shots on target. They, they scored the two. And Wolves dominated in, in most areas, like, like John was just talking about there. And to come away for Everton, like you say, it wasn't pretty, but they got the result. And when they need to turn it on and look pretty, Everton can do that with the players that they've got as well. So this is one of them results that they're absolutely delighted with. Um, it's not pretty to watch, but I'll tell you what, you just put that, that one to one side as coaching staff. And go, we got away with it and we move on to the next one. It's, it was a huge win for them. I will say though, um, John, just to, for the listeners or some of the listeners without being, you know, out, out saying that people don't know about football, you just talked about him and his there, how he leads the line so well. Just explain what, what you mean about that because I know my interpretation of that. Yeah, look, I think a lot of the time, Bridges, uh, when the ball comes up, the ball sticks. And, and sometimes when they're under a little bit of pressure and they need that, that ball, that out ball, Gives he's that one that can do that. And he's the one that can actually occupy the two centre-backs a lot of the time with the opposition. He, um, he's always a threat when the ball's in the box because he's always in good positions. Um, Traore has really missed him when Traore plays and he gets that ball into that wide area and gets those crosses in at the back post. You haven't got Jimenez there. So that's what I mean about leading the line. I don't think they have that. And, and uh, at the moment, they got Fabio Silva, the young boy. That's He's done okay, but he's, he's nowhere near the level yet. Yeah. I was going to say, he just got thrown off the ball very easily. You know, you need that hold-up play has got to be spot on. So you can allow your midfield runners to get in and support you. And, and that's, he just hasn't offered that. Well... The entree to the big one on Monday morning yesterday was Manchester United winning 1-0 away at Burnley. Uh, Paul Pogba with a deflected winner, um, which means that they go on the road to Anfield, still undefeated away from home this season, which is uh, another little further in Oli Gunnar Solskjaer's cap. Before we look towards that one, John, just a word on Pogba. Good to see him influencing the game. I know we got a deflection, but it was a match-winning hand. Yeah, the, the technique was good, though. You know, he, he hit it on target, kept it down, um, and you just see with his body shape, it was a, it was a good technique, and he deserved that little bit of luck that uh, deflected. It was it was well done by Rashford as well. Just held the ball up a little bit just to give them that little bit of time for Pogba to get to the edge of the box. And it was a deserved win. It was a hard-fought win as well. The, the first 30 minutes was scrappy. Mm. It was like, you know what, we, we're going to have to match Burnley with the fight. Burnley had their opportunities, but then Man United, after all the controversy, after the um, you know 
disallowed goal and then after that uh, uh, the free kick that should have been a red card then got brought back that Shaw ended up making a foul and it, all, all that stuff I think then Man United settled and actually yeah. started yeah. to play some good yeah. football and controlled the game I mean Burnley zero shots on target 11 chances kind of created I was it was almost like watching we do a game when you when we're coaching Dave, it's called waves. So the attacking team just keep going against the attack and then the ball comes back out, you have another wave of attack. And that's what it was like. And it was so frustrating not seeing United being able to break it down. And finally, that moment came with, um, I thought, Rashford. I was actually screaming at the TV because when Rashford got the ball on the right-hand side, he's in a one-on-one situation. I'm just shouting, going, skin him, skin him, get into that area. And he didn't, he just held back a bit. But he, I'll tell you what, the ball that he played out, he delayed and he just... he. he Picked Pogba out fantastically, so I did him. A, I did him an injustice because I was screaming at the TV, just going for God's sake, what have you done? And Pogba produced the magic, so it was good to see United. They deserved that um, victory. They they kept going, kept going, and I just couldn't be a Burnley fan. I'll tell you what, I would, I could not watch that every week. God. True that. No, true that. Stoic, but not enough. Not enough offered at all. So that is the warm-up, of course, as we enter the game between Liverpool and Manchester United with Liverpool second, 33 points. Manchester United top of the league on 36 points. I'll just say that again. And I just want to get a reaction from both of you to that. Manchester United top of the league on 36 points. How have we got here, John? (laughs) Well, it's been their away form, really, that uh, has put them in a good position. And now they're starting to pick up wins at home. Look, they've been in great form. Uh, I know there was a lot of talk at the beginning of the season that, you know, Oli was under pressure. Um, They got knocked out of the Champions League when they were in a good position to go through. Um, But this is the position that they want to be in. Uh, Are they good enough to go all the way? Why not? They've got the players, you know. Now that Pogba's starting to find form... He, he got Eric, criticized. Eric Bay has been huge for them as well. By yeah, the way. he's it's been good at the back. So, he, so that, defensively, Bridgie, they've been better. You know, because at the start of the season, that was letting him down a little bit. And um, Bay has been good at the back. I think even Shaw's been good. You know, he, yeah. he's he's come. He looks fitter. He looks yeah. more lean. He, he, he last season he doesn't look like a McDonald's chicken nugget anymore. <laughs> He looks like you say he's got a bit about him now. Yeah, and and, and you know on the weekend when he was uh, he was getting tested, he was one v one against Villa. You know he he's actually able to deal with it. He, he's he's you know even against the Man City, they 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 tried to to isolate Shaw quite a bit, and uh, and I thought that Shaw defended really well against Man City. Um, yeah, in the Carabao Cup. So I think that uh, there's there's a lot of positives. Pogba, who was injured at the beginning of the season, then he had COVID and he was struggling to find his fitness. I think Oli's handled that really well. He's yeah. brought him in slowly. He's now getting his confidence back. And then you've got uh, Rashford that's, you know, in good form. Fernandez. McTominay leading. leading like yeah. he's, you know, he's, Mr. he's been Mr. Reliable. I think he'll come back in for this game against Liverpool. I think Solskjaer I agree. McTominay. He, he, it's almost like I look back at what Alex Ferguson had when he was at his peak. There was a player, and it was Fletcher, and sadly due to um, you know he had a, had a, a disease or something that was in his bowel, um, in his intestine that cost him um, a lot of his game time towards the end of his career. That player, Fletcher Ferguson, used to put him in for all yeah. the massive games, and this yeah. is exactly like what um, Solskjaer is doing with McTominay. Yeah, I think he'll play McTominay and Fred in the midfield. I think that he'll end up uh, putting Pogba 
uh, out wide on the left. If you say out wide, then he will drift inside. I don't think Cavani will start. I think he will start with Martial up front and then Rashford on the right. I think that for him in those big games at the moment, that's his settled sort of front six. Fernandez just behind, obviously. Okay. Well, we're talking tactics. Where will it be won and lost, Bridgie? And is it the United away streak or the Liverpool incredible home record that's going to fall? It's yeah, well, so that's the thing. I mean, Liverpool have won the last two matches at home at Anfield. Man United at home, there's been two draws. Um, I just think in the current form with with United having a stronger, fuller squad. Um, I watch Liverpool, like I love watching Liverpool. I love Jordan Henderson, but he played against Southampton in that centre half role. He looked like he got very exposed. He looked. It's the first time I've seen him look lost on a football field. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's no disrespect to him. He's gone in there. He's done a job for the team. I just don't think the numbers, the defensive unit um, fits Liverpool. And I'm going to say the upper hand will be for Manchester United on this one. Um, probably are going to upset Liverpool fans. I think United can go there and get a result. Was well, that where it is going to be won and lost, John, in terms of how many bodies Jurgen Klopp can get fit at the back to handle You know what we know United are going to try to do uh, with their pace? Dave, I don't want to give too much away. I've got an analysis coming up in the next couple of days on this game, but I will Which say that... You won't watch on Off The Sport. You'll watch it on John Aloisi's Instagram. On the score 15. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. It's going to be on Off The Sport. Don't worry about that. It, um, so Liverpool, we all know how well they press. They press... Uh, they're probably the best team I've ever seen uh, in that terms of that front press. And, and you know, it starts with Mane, it starts with Salah. Um, and then those midfielders, they, the, the ground that are able to cover to... But there's always an outlet, and the outlet's normally the fullback. Um, and if they do pass that first line or two and they get at the back four, that's where they could hurt Liverpool. Because like Bridgie said, depending on who's going to be the centre-back pairing, we don't know yet because yeah. we don't know if Matip is going to be all right. I'm pretty sure he will be. I don't think Henderson will play back there again, Bridgie, yeah. uh, at the moment. I think that he will throw in one of the young boys, is it Reese Williams, and they could get exposed there at the, in those areas there. But then Liverpool are good enough to actually win the ball in good areas as well when they do press and hurt Man United. So there's there's a little bit there. I, I, I'm not sure it's going to be as easy as yet Man United will go there and get the result. No. I'm going to be sitting on the fence on this one, Bridgie. I think it's going to be a draw. Um, I know that's usually you that sits on the fence. I'm a changed man in 2021. <laughs> Do you know the other, the other one is that Liverpool, I, I remember the Man United, the counter-attack that they, they possess. Wait, I think, was it against Man City recent uh, this season? Yeah, when they, sure. did, did Man United beat Man City? Or am I thinking of last... That would have been last season. Was it last season when we yeah. witnessed it under Solskjaer? Yeah, yeah. When they, they drew this season and they lost in the Carabao Cup. That's what it was. When they went and attacked in behind the two fullbacks. Now Liverpool with with Robertson yeah. and with Alexander Arnold, which they like to do, they they're involved in assists all the time. That is a key area where Man United, with the pace that they possess, with a young, vibrant Rashford, with a Greenwood and a Martial, if they win the ball and the transition can be quick and they can hurt the you know a disjointed back back two or whoever sits as the defensive midfielder to help them out, whether it's Thiago or Henderson. I think that, you know, I just feel United have got something going into this game where they're going to upset Liverpool for the first time in a long time. No, you're right on that, Bridgie. That, that's an area that uh, they will, I think, if they can uh, counter quickly in those wide areas when the fullbacks are high yeah. uh, in possession, uh, because Tottenham did. 
Tottenham hurt them, and that was something that Tottenham looked for. Look, I don't think Man United are going to sit so deep as as long as Tottenham did during that game. But you know, Son's goal came from that. Trent Alexander Arnold was uh, high up the pitch. Uh, and then Son makes that forward run into that wide area and gets a one-on-one and scores. And John, how key is, do you think if Liverpool will have majority of the ball, or given that that's probably how United will try to hit them, um, how key is Thiago? Do you think he will play? Do you think he'll be thrown in for a start in this big game? Because this is almost like if, if Liverpool are going to have all that possession, this could be his big moment entering the Premier League. I hope so. I hope Thiago plays because I just love watching him play on the ball. Some of the passing that... uh, I know they were playing against Aston Villa youth team, but uh, some of the passing that he made in the FA Cup was sensational. Just just his vision to, you know, the no-look pass. Uh, he looks like he's going to play it out wide and then he just plays it in between the lines into that that attacking play. That that one of the goals uh, came from Thiago. I think that... um, he he probably will play him, and yeah. uh, but I think that they will get in behind um, with Robinson on the left side. I think that's that's something that they will look at doing. And once they get into those areas there, that's when they could hurt Man United because yeah. I think it's going to be hard for um, the, the likes of Mane or Salah getting in behind straight away. I think they'll try and look to receive the ball in those half spaces in between the midfield and the defence. And uh, and Robinson's that one, that key player, I think, that will hurt Man United. I'm calling the midfield three, Dave. I'm going to say that Oxlade-Chamberlain will be sacrificed. Henderson will come into the midfield with Thiago and Vinaldum. I think yeah, that'll be the that change in that. Right. Now, Bridgie, if United pull off the result that you've you've predicted, and just I find the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer whole narrative fascinating because what was it two months ago? It was all doom and gloom. And here he is, top of the league. Can you give us, is it possible around Manchester United to give us a calm assessment of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, the manager, and how he has got them to the top of the table? Yeah, Dave, I sung his praises. Um, don't, don't get us wrong, I've had, a, I've had a go as well, as I think a lot of Manchester United fans have done. But when you have got a record in the, you know, the Champions League, when they got the, the two victories over Paris Saint-Germain and Tuchel away from home, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer has done it twice. There's not many other teams. I think it was Real Madrid that did it in Barcelona. Um, are the only teams he gets results when they played Red Bulls like Leipzig at home and they got that they destroyed them yeah he's got moments where he can find and he gets the team to play in the way that they like to do it oh yes they've been knocked out of the Champions League but all his tactics has been questioned and I think a few years back when he first took over he, Thomas Tuchel taught him a lesson what they've done they've, they've, they've grown as a team the staff the players have grown in the belief of how they want to do it and I think with the personnel now there's a lot more consistency with the you can kind of say you know I roughly got an idea of who is potentially going to play or what they're going to do um, and I just think he's, he's learned a lot and he's developing and he, he's becoming a better better manager he's handling the media a lot better now I think he looked like a rabbit in the headlights early on. Yes, as players, we we learned to handle the media, but as a coach, he was Frank Lampard looked like he didn't give a it didn't bother him one bit. He had that arrogance. It was almost Mourinho-esque when Frank first came on the scene for as the manager. Ole still looked a little bit nervous for me. And I just think he looks a lot more in control of his media press conferences now, and he doesn't feel like he's got to say too much. So again, that's huge because players watch that. Players see your managers, they see your coaching staff, what they are delivering before games and after. Uh, and I just think that he's done absolutely fantastic because he's willing to learn and listen and have a go. The one thing about uh, Solskjaer that we can never uh, put in doubt at the moment since the beginning, he's always had the playing group. 
Mm. And, and what I mean by that is when they've been under pressure, you see them really come out and play for him. Uh, you never really hear any noise coming out of a big club like Man United that, you know, uh, Pogba's agent said that, you know, he wanted to leave. But Pogba's never came out. And, and even his, his body language on the pitch has never been bad. Whenever he's played, he's tried his hardest. And under Mourinho, it was a little bit different. You could see that Pogba wasn't happy. Um, I agree with Bridgie that I think the doubts were always about Solskjaer because he doesn't look confident when he talks to the media. It's, Sometimes when he talks to the media, it looks like he's second-guessing himself. He probably isn't. It's just it, what didn't come naturally to him. It's improving, still not Mourinho West or, or Lampard. But um, I think that he's always had the playing group, and that's, that's what's got him through at this stage to where they are at. And I, I think that he'll only get stronger with this because he obviously does something right behind closed doors with the players. And he's resorted to dad jokes, I think, in the in the post-match press conference to try and actually quell some of the pressure, I think. And if it's working, Dave, why not? That's what I mean. He's, he's, do you know what it is? It's almost like the media, it was like a grappling match early on, and the media were winning the grappling match, in, like the wrestling, and he just felt the pressure. And he's just come back with, like I say, I, just, I don't know whether he's had a bit of media training or whether he's got a, a better media manager alongside him saying, you've got to, like the press conferences, we need to say this, or you don't, don't let yourself go with this. Because I remember watching... Um, who who was it? It was Leicester City when I went to one of their media press conferences last year. And I didn't realise how much of an influence that media manager had at Leicester about what they were doing a, a tick list to say yes, no, after the game. And, you know, it, it's interesting. I've seen other managers where they won't speak to their media manager and you can just see the media manager putting their hands on their head going, why have you said that, you absolute dickhead? It, it, you know, they, they understand. I think Ollie's got got... There's definitely been something that has happened where he's got a better understanding of how to handle everybody. Well, it is certainly the weekend climax. Jurgen Klopp's 200th Premier League game, by the way, with Liverpool too. Yes, Can't underestimate one. his impact on English football. Uh, that is the undoubted climax of the weekend, 3.30 a.m. Australian Eastern Daylight Time on Monday morning on Optus Sport. But of course, if that's uh, is that the end of the night or the start of the morning? How do, what's, what's that kickoff time? When it's Monday morning, it has to be the start of the morning. It can't be the end of the night, especially when people got to go to work. Oh, dear. But, um, you know the difference what? between me and John is that's John's early morning. I'm just getting in normally. So. <laughs> Even on a Sunday night, Bridgie, what's probably mate, probably. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's it's not a great time, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of people waking up to watch that or and staying the, up to watch it. But the beauty of Optus Sport, of course, is you can watch it at your leisure or as a mini-match or highlights or read about it or watch the post-match punditry show. There's plenty of ways to consume Liverpool versus Manchester United on Monday at 3.30 a.m. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Elsewhere in the round, uh, it's a 
for another full round of fixtures coming up. Of course, Friday, if you are listening to us on Thursday for the Agapod, it's Arsenal versus Crystal Palace finishing off this midweek round at 7 a.m. Uh, on the Eastern East Coast. Then on Saturday night, Wolves against West Brom gets things underway. Of course, Fulham's game with Chelsea has been pushed to Sunday. Um, so that gets things underway after countdown kickoff, which is at 10 p.m., followed by Wolves v West Brom at 11.30 p.m. West Ham against Burnley at 2 a.m. Leeds United against Brighton, a really interesting game at 2 a.m as well 4 30 a.m fulham against chelsea sunday 7 a.m leicester city against southampton now there's a few games that are under covert doubt over the weekend aston villa everton on sunday night at 11 p.m is one of those then bring in the big night of football this is why you'll be up at 3 30 john because sheffield united tottenham one o'clock a.m on monday morning preceding that and then after Liverpool versus Manchester United, it's Manchester City against Crystal Palace at 6.15 a.m. with the round concluding with Arsenal against Newcastle United on Tuesday at Not 7 a.m. Not many games to watch then, Dave, really. What a gobful that was. Is What takes your fancy out of those games? Can you just go through them again, please? <laughs> We've only got another bloody 10 minutes, Bridgie. We haven't got that long. <laughs> you know you know what? We, we all want to watch the Liverpool-Man United game. That, that's, the, that's the big game. That's the, that's the blockbuster this weekend. The rivalry between the two clubs, the history between the two, first v second. But I'm, I'm looking forward to also seeing how Arsenal go over the next two games because what yes. a turnaround they've mm. had. Four wins in a row. Um, and, and, you, and you just go, what a different Smith row a young boy yeah. has created in that side, along with Saka. I, I, I think that, um, you know, Lacazette and yes, and Aubameyang finally got his goal uh, against Newcastle in the FA Cup. But Smith Rowe, for me, has been the standout. That that attacking midfield position, he's he's really been able to bridge that that from the midfield to that front line and and that creative spark that they were lacking. Do you know what's refreshing, John? Is to actually see Frank Lampard last season do it with Chelsea. He had to do it because of the transfer. He gave the new that had a lot of youngsters in the England setup. Jolie Morris knew the club and what was available there, so they've gone and done that. I'm delighted that Arteta has said, you know what it is? Enough is enough. If these lads are not going to perform like William, they don't want to do the work ethic, they don't want to do it. We've got players here that, you know, in the youngsters, people have been raving about around Europe and he's given them an opportunity. And we've, we've seen them in cup games and things like that. But I'll tell you what, to actually put them out and put the faith in them is what he's done is given, I just think it's absolutely great. Um, the fact that they've repaid him and it has worked because I feel managers are under a lot of pressure to, when they get the money to play, and pay the biggest and best players. Um, but I've come from a, an upbringing where I got an opportunity at 16, and I played for a team in Leeds United where David O'Leary got rid of the older guard and give the youngsters a crack. And, you know, that look look where that took him with, with Leeds United and the likes of Harry Kuehl and whatnot. So I am delighted because when they're good when they're good enough, they're old enough. It doesn't matter. You can't put, a, you can't put an age on somebody that has quality. And it makes... Uh, Arteta's um, use of Mesut will make a little bit more sense, knowing that yeah. he knew what was coming up. And look, we're going to we back our own here at the Gagan Pod. And fair play, Bridgie, because before Christmas, we had a podcast. We were talking about what will happen to Arteta. And we looked at their fixtures and, and, and the both. He said, whilst they were under pressure, um, if they can get through this run, there'll be sunnier days ahead. And they did. And we're at this little uh, January period in the Premier League and he has got his tenure probably for the rest of the season. So uh, that is exactly how it's played out. No panic sackings. And Arteta can now continue his mandate at Arsenal. Any other games for you, John, to stand out, by the way, before we move on? Uh, Leicester-Southampton. 
just because of the position Leicester are in, they, they, I, I think they're a strong side. I think they can actually... They were unlucky not to finish in the top four last season. This season, I think they're good enough to. And Southampton, you know, the, the win against Liverpool, the way they've been playing their football this season, they're a great team to watch. Um, that, that's probably one of the other standout games. Are you are you are you kidding me or not? Are you two, you were not even discussing West Ham against Burnley. Two AM. <laughs> I've got my alarm set for that one, so I'm really looking forward to seeing West Ham absolutely smash Burnley. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Wolves West Brom because it's a it, it, yeah the derby Burnley. and and plus we're doing the show beforehand, so yeah. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that one. I, West Brom with Sam Allardyce hasn't it gone pear shaped since that <laughs> draw against Liverpool. They can't, they can't keep a clean sheet. They're conceding goals for fun. Is he going to turn it around, Bridgie? That's what I want to know. Welcome back to Premier League management. You know, he said he had two years out. He didn't want to fall fall behind the, the apple cart as such. And what a reality it's been, man. Um, I don't think he, if he keeps them up, it's got to be the best survival job he has ever done. And West Brom should give him whatever they, I don't know what he's getting as a bonus, but just Will he play key. any football? Will he play any football between now and, and May? No, but no. will they get results? Possibly, yes. But will he keep them? I, I can't see him keeping them up. There's a lot of there's a lot of work went into Sam Allardyce when he was at Bolton Wanderers. He, he's like I say, he's methodical in the the system. Has he got enough time? And has he got the cattle to do it? I don't as exciting as the top half of the table is, and it's going to be to the end of the season, I think the relegation battle is going to be exciting. I, I think mm. uh, yeah, as much as you want to criticise Burnley, uh, Bridgie, and uh, they're not pretty to watch. They'll pick up their points. Yeah, so yeah, I don't see yeah. them being that team. Yeah. I can see Newcastle getting into that fight, yeah. Brighton, Fulham. Yeah. If West Brom, if Sam Allardyce can work his magic in terms of picking up results like he has in the past. And then Sheffield United, what a confidence booster that was. So they're going to pick up points. It's, it's going to be, they'll go to the end of the season, maybe even the last kick of the season. I'm still going to say Sheffield United, West Brom, and I'm going to put Brighton in that. I tell you what, Brighton would... Uh, they will they will want to have a red hot crack against Leeds because that's a game where both teams will try to express themselves yeah. and that's a that's a big opportunity. That's actually a really good game to have a look at on the weekend as well. Um, now we're going to just finish off with a bit of a whistle stop tour through Europe and finish this sentence. Travel is down across the world for us, so let's take a mythical tour through Europe through the leagues that are there. And I'll, John, I'll start with you um, in Spain, where I'll ask you this season: Atletico Madrid will be La Liga champions. The yes, way that they get, yeah, they're, yes. they're in a position now, Bridgie. They're they're on forty-one points. They're four points in front of Real Madrid, seven points in front of Barca, and they've got two games in hand. They've only conceded six goals this season, yeah. and uh, we all know that that's that's typical Simeone uh, the way he plays his football. But they've scored thirty-one goals, and so they're second in terms of you know best goal scoring uh, in in the comp behind Barcelona. I think Suarez has made a difference in those close games. He's been able to, to you know, get the, the winning goal or get important goals. What a loss he's been for Barca. But, um, you know, I, I think they're going to be too strong. They'll win the league. Company. Well, they surprised me last season, John, because of how disappointing they were after the, the Simons that they made. And they've bounced back in the best possible um, form. And I, I'm, I'm loving watching them. And I hope they are champions. So I'm there, was a lot of, there was a lot of criticism over Simeone, Bridgie, from last season. And a lot of people were saying, enough's enough. I think they have to let him go. I think he's been there long, too long. Um, you know, he, he's, uh, his time's up. 
well done to Atletico Madrid. Well done to their, their chairman for keeping faith in Simeone because, you know, how can you write him off? What he's achieved at that club. They shouldn't even be actually fighting with Real Madrid and Barcelona most seasons, but they are every season. And this season, I think they'll be too strong. And just picked up Moussa Dembele on loan from Lyon. Um, no idea if you can hear through the through the audio there, but the perks of working from home, I've got a queue of kids knocking at the door trying to get in. They're very <laughs> excited for the gag and pod. Um, if you can't, ignore that. If you can't, apologies. <laughs> um, but um, we will talk actually in depth more about Atletico heading into the Champions League resumption because it is a fascinating story and how Simeone has evolved them there. And similarly, Bridgie, a fascinating story. Mauricio Pochettino and PSG is a match made in heaven. He's, I, I, I like it? it. I do, I like it. Um, I'm just delighted that Pochettino is back and, he, and he's coaching again. I still think he was holding out for the Manchester United job. I think he was waiting and now he's seen Oli and United have an unbelievable you know, a bit of form. And I think the, the Manchester, there was definitely smoke without fire. There's sorry, there's no smoke without fire. I'd still think there was things simmering in the background where they'd been in contact with Pochettino saying, just sit tight. And it got to the point where he's going, you know, this is a huge opportunity. We've got a, we've got a, an unbelievable budget, an unbelievable playing squad, a lot of pressure, however, but he's just great to see him back in management and uh, get, uh, you know, he's got the players that are capable of playing the style that he wants to play with. Uh, I think a lot more quality than what he had at Tottenham Hotspur, obviously. Yeah, I agree, Bridgie. I think uh, Pochettino, having played at the club, PSG, so he knows the environment quite well. It was before that they actually were taken over, of course, but they were still a pretty successful club. And um, and I think that his discipline will help that squad. We know the talented players they've got, but his discipline on and off the pitch, I think is going to really help uh, not only the likes of Mbappe and Neymar, but the rest of them. Icardi scored this morning. They beat uh, Marseille 2-1 in the Super Cup. So first I, trophy I, after eleven days. Yes, first trophy. A, he's never won a trophy before as yeah, a manager. Welcome to PSG. So <laughs> there was a little bit of talk came out after Tuchel left. I saw a couple of the players are commenting saying they didn't feel like they had a bit of a rapport with. It. They felt like a little bit standoffish with Tuchel um, when they went to, to see him or speak to him. They didn't feel like they had a really good relationship and a good bond. And I just look at that as what John has said there with Pochettino. Every player that was at Spurs um, just thought he was like their father. It was, a, it was a family member. Uh, and I think that's going to be invaluable for some of these players because there's a different way to handle egos. And I think the more time you can engage with people and get to understand what they're about and who their families are, you, you get a relationship with them. They're going to perform a lot more than when you get this consultation of the egos and there's a tug of war. So uh, again, we saw that with Pogba and Mourinho at Man United. Solskjaer's handled it a lot better, like John said. I think Pochettino is perfect for PSG. That's interesting. So you think that his um his high energy, his 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 style, his emotion is going to suit the likes of Neymar and Mbappe? And do you think that will keep Mbappe at the club? I think they'll build relationships because of the way Pochettino was built and his DNA. Yes, definitely. He's he thinks he's a great football mind, got a great football mindset. He's a great tactician, but I just think he's a lot more of a. He's a. I call it. Is it like a Bobby Robson that I played under? From when you read things, Bobby, you could, he was approachable. He he cared more about you than he did himself, and I think that's what Posh has got as as a massive um, a massive niche. We're gonna add something, John. No, no, no. I, I think that you were going to mention about Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, whether yeah. He's going to stay. stay at the club. I, I think he will stay at the club. I think Pochettino will will make him believe that they can achieve or he can achieve what he needs to at PSG. Now, what else can you achieve 
that, you know, when you're at PSG, you know, you're going to win the comp every year normally. You're going to win most cups. But they're, they're looking Champions League. They want to win the Champions League title. And I think under Pochettino, I think they can. I think that he's proven to get the best out of the players and his team because Tottenham should never have had the squad or the team to go all the way to the Champions League final. He's got a stronger squad at PSG. So I think he'll be believing. It'll be interesting to see how he does this season. They've got Barcelona coming mm-hmm. up, uh, improved Barcelona side. Um, so, you know, I think that um, Pochettino can keep the likes of Mbappe. Bridgie, if you're Frank Lampard and Avram Grant walks into uh, Chelsea and sits in the in the stadium in the big office upstairs, uh, you are... Shitting yourself. <laughs> Just to put it bluntly, absolutely shit myself. The writing is on the wall. Uh, there's a there's a great one. If anybody loves documentaries, um, there's a great one about Sir Bobby Robson. I know I've just mentioned him. It's called More Than a Manager. Yeah. And it shows Bobby traveling all around Europe, the relationship he had with the media, the relationship he had with the people at the football club. And there's a really sad scene at Barcelona where um, Louis Van Gaal, Van Gaal comes yeah. in and sits on the desk next to him. And Bobby's the manager there. And the writing was on the wall. He just got backstabbed. But the, the best thing about Bobby Robson, his makeup, he went, you know what it is? Put me a technical director then. But he, he got, you know, it, it was like a, a shift of the God done in a way where it's in your face. And I just think it's the same for Frank Lampard. I, I really fear for him. Um, it's not looking good. Unless Frank has asked for that help and he's going to embrace it, knowing he's not going to get backstabbed. But if it's come from Abramovich and outside sources, it's not a good sign. And I would be, yeah, like I say, the... I think it just, even if Avram Grant, even if Abramovich aren't meaning to undermine Frank Lampard, it will undermine him with the playing group because the playing group will go, well, you don't trust him. So we don't trust him. And and I, I don't think that can work. I, I don't think at the moment you can bring in someone like that. It's different if you're bringing in a technical director and saying he's your technical director, he's been a technical director for a long period. But Avram Grant hasn't. Avram Grant's been the manager uh, for years and years. Um, he was manager of Chelsea. It's not a good look. I don't think it can work. I agree with Bridgie. And, the other and- one is John. I mean, there's a the, you know Frank Lampard is such a legend at that football club for his playing days. To to sack him, would, you know, could tarnish everything. I don't think Frank would want that on his CV as well, or, or you know, for the relationship he's got. It could be this could be a way of smoothing it out and just and you know what it is. Out there's a time and a place, but without sacking me, Avram Grant, get him in for a few few weeks. Let him. Let's just bed him in, and then I'll hold my hands up, and the the resignation may come. So it looks better for Frank rather than getting sacked. That's what I'm thinking with the the media scope. There's there's two sides. This whichever way it pans out, I'll see. But I'm I'm going to side with that one where it could be a case of Frank just leaving on his own accord. So it's not the club sacking him, and it, it goes down better with the fans. Right, Abramovich protecting him in a way, in it's in a roundabout way. Interesting. Watch this space, and we will talk more about Chelsea as. Uh, like all these other clubs are developing in the next couple of weeks. Look, this is a crazy season. It might just be like Arsenal. It might just be like United. You're in the holster for a couple of weeks. If you can ride it, if you can get out the other end, you've, you're out the you're out the shit show, to, 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 so to speak. So we'll see what happens. That's certainly what I hope is happening. Um, speaking of dropping form, John, just end off with Bayern Munich are at the moment. Oh, are, um, well, they're still going to be winning the title. They're still going to win the league, I think. Uh, they have dropped a little bit of form, but they lost this morning in the... In the, the what's it called? The Polko Cup? The, uh, it's Something the, like the, that. Yeah, it's the German Polka Cup. Dot cup. They, they lost to a second division side called Holsten Kiel. I never even heard of them. And Bayern Munich to lose to them on penalties, that's a major shock. So... 
Oh, look, I still think that, you know, you, you don't want to write off Bayern too quickly. They're probably not too worried about getting kicked out of the cup. It doesn't yep. look good. It's not it's not great, but they're still going to be there or thereabouts at the end of the season. John, the players went into that game with the same attitude as you did, saying, what's this cup? <laughs> and that is what happened. When you go in with that mindset and that mentality, mate, you're going to get beat, and that's what happened. Well, who's this team? Maybe even they've never even heard of them. <laughs> Uh, boss, what, what team are you playing on? What cup is it today? Mm, right, okay. So my players are switched on then. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, dear. Now, well, look, they did. Uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach got a good result against them in the league as well. So it, it's it's a funny old situation across Europe at the moment where the Manchester United top of the Premier League, uh, Bayern, it's close in Germany, Atletico top in Spain, AC Milan in Italy, uh, PSG are not top in France. It's just a really, really, really interesting 2021, just thanks to the way everything's been turned upside down. I just want to end with something just a little bit uh, nostalgic, or just something just to uh, have a bit of spark, a bit of debate. There was a great a program on Off the Sport uh, last week, um, which looked at the best 20 players to play in the Premier League from Spain. And I love those shows. It just takes you down memory lane. And you're looking at highlights you've forgotten and you remember how good these guys are. Now, who are your favorite players from Spain in the Premier League, gents? Um, John, John first. David Silva has to be my yeah. favourite player. I, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, that what he was able to achieve at, uh, at City, uh, just the style of football that he played, the, you know, the, that uh, player that could, um, you know, they call him the magician. He, he could create something out of nothing, especially when it was a tight game because a lot of teams sit off the City. He was able to open them up. And he won uh, everything except the Champions League with City. And uh, for me, he's probably the best player along with Torres when he was at Liverpool. Torres at Liverpool was sensational. Yes, at Chelsea, he wasn't the same player, but, um, you know, his combination with uh, Gerard, uh, Stephen Gerrard when he was at, the, at Liverpool was sensational. Can I, can I put three in the half, please, Dave? Yeah, well, love, love, oh. a, love a podium finish. Oh, well, I've got David Silva, no doubt about it. We didn't actually play against David Silva. I love watching him and obviously what he did. But there's a player, Cesc Fabregas, was at Arsenal playing against him, it was just, he, he was a freak show and he came in at such a young age as well into that Arsenal team. And I remember our um, manager at the time, can you hear the dogs there? Eh? The, <laughs> the joys of radio. <laughs> the um, the manager at the time, Peter Reeds, uh, sorry, at Leeds United, can you get a hold of that lad? Can you try and, and can you try and stop him from getting on the ball? And I'm like, you can't, you couldn't stop him. And then when you won the ball, Pat Vieira put his leg out and stopped you. So I just thought what Cesc did was absolutely incredible. Um, but the other one, my favourite of all time, he might not be in the top 20, but I had the pleasure of playing alongside this guy at Bolton Wanderers, Ivan Campo. There you go. <laughs> this guy was the funniest best, fattest player I've ever seen yeah, play. Big curly hair, yeah? Big curly yes. hair. He was a Real Madrid player. One yeah, he was a Real Madrid, Madrid player. I'll tell you what, what a character this guy was. Yeah. He was absolutely sensational. We used to have a thing with Sam Allardyce where it was called the 1,000 metre club and we had the pro zone stats with the cameras around the ground. Every player that started the game had to get in the 1,000 metre club at high intensity sprints. And they knew what our speed, high intensity speed were through the gates and things like that. So the 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 cameras tracked you and give different colours to set in the red was the one that Allardyce wanted you to do a thousand metres in. Anyway, Ivan, we played at um, Inter Milan pre-season. We got played off the park. It was like 900 passes to about 210. And Ivan Campo hadn't got in the, um, in the high intensity. He's only about 600. So Sam saying, 
Ivan, you know that this is not acceptable. This is not good. We need to lose some weight. You need to run more. And I'll never forget Ivan Campbell's like, hey, boss, please, uh, where's the next slide, please, next slide. And he knew what was coming because passing stats out of the 250-odd that were made, he'd made about 199. And he was like, no problem, no problem. That's that, that's me. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> they can't get the ball off me. So he said, if you use me to my best, then we might win more games. He yeah. was just a character, mate. He didn't want to run. What a player he was. Brilliant, brilliant. Oh, you done. know what, Bridgie? I forgot about Cesc Fagabrigas. I, I would have to say he's up there as well, yeah. definitely. Yeah, it's a marvel. He was he was tremendous when he came to Chelsea as well from Arsenal. Gents, that's all we've got time for today. That show, by the way, is 20 and 20. They run some really nice nostalgic stuff uh, every night on Off the Sport through the night. And you can watch it on replay at your leisure through the week. So keep your eye out for those programs. Um, gents, thanks so much for your time today. Look forward to seeing your analysis, Johnny, previewing the game. Look forward to seeing you guys on Countdown to Kickoff. And we're just looking forward to a massive weekend of Premier League. I'm looking forward to seeing how my Instagram goes, Bridgie. <laughs> John, I was just about to say, mate, I'm going to, um, we'll, we'll, we'll dissect in about three or four days' time. You had two before the podcast. Let's see how many you've got in a few more days' time, mate. I'm looking forward uh, to it. Good stuff. Beautiful. Have a good weekend. I can't wait. Can't wait for Saturday night. Oh, and then, hang on, there's course. some important news just rolled in. What? We are now up to seven followers. There you go. This is huge. <laughs> Absolutely huge. We haven't even finished the podcast. Brilliant. It's growing by the minute. There you go. Excellent. All right, guys. Thanks for your time as ever and, and enjoy the weekend action. And to all of you out there, thanks for listening. Great to be back with you for 2021. We're going to do it every week until you stop listening. So thanks for doing that. And as ever, until the next Gagan Pod, enjoy your football. Hold up. 